Well, good morning. My name is Andrew, and I'm one of the pastors here at Spring Valley. Uh, I'll share a little bit of my background with you. Um, when I was younger, there were four words that really mattered to me. All you can eat. Okay, I used to think that was three words, but four words. All you can eat, and um, I just loved eating good food and lots of good food, right? And so when I was 17, I went down to visit one of my buddies down in Virginia, and he was in the army, and he took me to eat at this place that I'd never been to before called Golden Corral. I think they're only like down south, and, and uh, although I will say, what does Golden Corral even mean? Like corral is like where you keep cows or pigs, and so, I mean, you just eat a lot of food and you belong in a corral, right? That's golden corral. And so I was really excited. A, a couple years down the road, uh, I got married, and my wife and I were vacationing, and so we saw a golden corral, and I was like, you're going to love this place, Angela. And so we went into golden corral, and uh, who wouldn't love all-you-can-eat steak and ribs and cotton candy and a chocolate fountain? that people stick their hands into, right? And then the chocolate runs over their hands and goes down in and keeps, you know, you get the picture. So, so Angela came in and she ate a tater tot and that was about it. And so she was really turned off by Golden Corral and she said something to me that really made me think. She said, Andrew, more isn't always better. She said, more isn't always better. And so I started to think about more isn't always better. And so we think of some things, right? More weight isn't always better. More debt isn't always better. More time with your in-laws isn't always better. Now, if you're with your in-laws, don't laugh or don't shake your head. You know, just look straight ahead. Just look straight ahead. So, so more isn't always better, but it seems like when it comes to money that we think more is always better, and in fact, that more will solve a lot of our issues. So listen, could, uh, could we use some more money? Probably. Is more money going to give us peace or take away all the anxiety in your life? I don't know. It seems like when you ask people, man, how much is enough for you to have peace with your money? No matter if they don't have a lot, they'll say more than I have. Or if they have a lot, they'll say more than I have. So I don't think the key to being transformed in your financial life is having more. And in fact, I think it's a different M word. I think the word is manage. That when you manage your money in the right way, that you'll have peace. And Jesus actually really believes that, and he talks to us about how to manage our money in different parts of the Bible. But today we're not going to talk about uh, how you should invest or do these financial principles, but I want to talk about what Jesus talked about money in Matthew 6, 19 through 24. And what he's going to really give us insight in is that you can't manage your money right if your spiritual life isn't right. And here's our big idea. How you manage your wealth is really determined by your spiritual health. And so Joe said it earlier that, that where your money is, your heart's connected to that. How you manage your wealth is determined by your spiritual health. Now, if you're in here for the first time and, and someone uh, invited you to church or they said, hey, let's go out to breakfast, and then at the end they kind of tricked you into coming to church, uh, I'm still excited that you're here. We're excited that you're here. Um, and, and maybe you're thinking, man, I know about churches. They always want to talk about money, and they always want my money. And so today, I would say our goal is not to get your money um, so you can, you can breathe and you can feel okay. But we do want to teach about what God says about money. 
So Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 24, and Jesus is going to really talk about our spiritual health and how it relates to money. Before we read this passage, Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and so he's on a hillside and it overlooks the Sea of Galilee, and I've been there and it's really beautiful, and people are probably uh, just crowded down, just kind of listening to this amazing teacher. And before this, in, in the, before in chapter 6, he kind of talked about what it meant to be spiritually healthy, kind of outwardly, about how you should fast and how you should pray, and kind of went through these different things. But now he's going to talk about something that's harder to gauge. How you're doing spiritually when it's just on the inside. And he's going to say money has a lot to do with that. Uh, so before we get into this, I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll talk about what Jesus talked about. God, thank you for this morning. I pray that we would hear what you want us to hear. I pray that you would soften our hearts. God, let us lay down our preconceived notions and uh, hear from your word this morning. We love you and we thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So if we're talking about spiritual health, Jesus is going to tell us there's three symptoms of spiritual sickness that all come out when we deal with money. And so the first one we're going to find in verse 19, and, and here's the first symptom of spiritual sickness. You're sick when your security is in the temporary. Okay, you're sick when your security is temporary. Verse 19 says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So here's the amazing thing. Jesus didn't start off and say, hey, here's a spiritual argument on why you shouldn't lay up treasures. He said, here's a really practical one. So back then, um, wealth was measured in how much clothing you had and how much grain you stored up and how much possessions you had. And so clothes weren't mass produced back then. So you weren't going to Kohl's to buy some clothes. You had to have someone make them specifically for you. And so, ladies, if you walk into your closet and you see tons of shoes all over the place, and you were back in Jesus' time, and one of those people walked into your closet, they would think you were a millionaire. Okay? Some of you have shoes that you haven't even worn in years, but you still have them. But listen... Moths are dangerous to clothes, right? Because they eat through them. And so you could be sleeping and a moth is in your house and it's eating through your clothes and destroying your wealth. And then also grain. If mice and rats got into your grain and started eating it, your wealth is disappearing without you even knowing it. And then someone could break into your house. And what Jesus is really getting at here is that our wealth or what we think makes us wealthy or secure is actually only temporary. Because everything you and I own, let's be honest, everything you own, everything you have, everything you really want is going to end up one of two places one day. Ready? It's going to end up in the garbage dump or in someone's garage sale. Right? And, and even our bank accounts that we, we store up and we have so much peace, man, I have this much money so I'm doing fine, eventually that could run out or go away and just think about all the recessions that happen. And so Jesus point is really, hey listen, if you're going to store up, if you're going to build up for the future, you want to do it for something that's eternal, that's going to last. And so what does it mean to, to build up treasures in heaven? Well, I think it means that you give to God's kingdom to help the good news of Jesus spread around the world. 
I think it's helping orphans and widows and those who are less fortunate. Man, it's investing into the lives of the people around you to serve them and love them. That's what building up treasures in heaven really looks like. And yet, for some of us, man, doesn't, don't physical things have some affection in our hearts? In verse 21, he says this, Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So let me explain what Jesus is saying. He's not saying, man, wherever you put your money, your heart's going to follow that. Because that's, that's what you think when you read it initially. So wherever I spend my money, that's probably where my heart is at. What Jesus is really saying is that wherever your heart is, whatever you have affection for or love for, that's where your money's going to follow into. And so, man, don't, don't you feel better sometimes when you get something new? Like when you have a new phone, like you have the iPhone 6S, like you just kind of like, man, I'm doing better. I feel good. Or you have a new car, you get a new watch, or you get new clothes, and somehow stuff gets our affection and that takes our heart. So for me, I don't know about you, but I don't like to go to the mailbox. Okay, our mailbox is kind of, you know, I don't know, 600 feet from our house. But in the mail, all you're getting is ads and bills and stuff you have to organize. So if you're really, you love administration, you're like, oh, I want to get that so I can put it away. For me, I'm like, I don't want to go to the mailbox except when I order something off Amazon or I order off something online, right? And I'm like, oh, when's that coming? And I'm checking my app to figure out when's it coming. And so I take my dog for extra long walks and my daughter for extra long walks and I'm going to the mailbox just, oh, did the thing come in yet? Okay. So for some reason, I don't like to go to the mailbox when it's just bills, but when it's stuff, man, that makes me excited. And yet all that stuff that we might look to for our security and we put our hope in is temporary. Many of you know Brian Cuck. He's a pastor in, at Glad Tidings in Reading. And man, things seem like they're going great in his life. And one day after church, he goes up for a motorcycle ride. And an SUV swerves with an intoxicated driver into his lane and hits him. And Brian's wife was on the back of the bike and she died instantly. And Brian was stuck under the the bike and he lost a leg and he had to go through 17 surgeries. And I, I, I won't forget when I woke up and, and heard the news and I thought, how could this happen? And, and we just see how things in life are so temporary. And listen, if, if Brian had put his hope in earthly treasure and earthly things, he would have been devastated for the rest of his life. But instead, even after these 17 surgeries, he still can give glory to God, even though he's missing a leg and he doesn't have his wife. He still gives glory to God because his hope isn't in things on earth, but storing up treasures in heaven. And that inspires me because I don't know if, I'm, if I put all my hope in treasures on heaven and I need to grow in that. And so the question for us, if we're going to be spiritually healthy and it's going to come out in our funds, our finances... Is, is your focus on Jesus? Man, an author, Francis Chan, he said this that, that really made me think. He said, are you spending your life preparing for the last 10 years of your retirement? Are you spending your life building for the next 10 million years of your life in eternity with Jesus? Is it about the last 10 years of your life or the next 10 million that really makes me think, man, our life is short on earth. And that's why Jesus was so about building up treasures in heaven. 
Uh, one of our staff members shared this quote with me, and it's, and it's from a guy named Patrick Meager. And it says this. It says, some people are so poor, all they have is money. That some people are so poor, all they have is money. See, Jesus says that you're not getting it when you put all your time and energy and effort into building stuff on earth when that's what, not what actually is going to matter in the end. See, when you start to build up treasures in heaven, what happens is that you start to have a, a light grasp on everything here. You start to be able to see needs that you can meet and you stop finding hope and security in your bank accounts, in your retirement account, in your possessions, in stuff you have. And so if your heart is struggling with those things, you can go to Jesus and he'll change that for you. And so now that, that some of us might be uh, a little bit uncomfortable or maybe even offended, let's look at the second symptom of spiritual sickness. The second one is this, that, that your vision is blurry. Jesus is going to illustrate this point by talking about how people view the world. So he says in verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes on, are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Okay, so when I originally read this passage, I just, I just said, you lost me. I actually don't know what's happening in this passage. And so as I did some more research, what I found is that in ancient times, they thought the eye was the source of light. So the eye would kind of put light on everything else. And so if there's not light inside of you, even when you're looking, there's still darkness. And I think what Jesus is really trying to say here is that how you view things, what your point of view and perspective really determines how you're going to see everything in life. And so the word for eye and full of light, it, it's really healthy eye. It's really a good eye and an evil eye. So if we flash forward in the book of Matthew to Matthew uh, 20, verse 15, we hear Jesus tell a story. And Jesus tells, it's, it's a story, it didn't actually happen, it was just to prove a point. And Jesus tells a story about this master who goes out and he needs people to work in his vineyards. And so he goes to people and it's 6 a.m. And so he says, hey, will you work in my vineyard and I'll give you a whole day's wage. And the people said, sure, we'll do that. But he couldn't get enough at 6 a.m. So at 9, 9 a.m., 12 p.m., he just continues to go out until it's 5 p.m. And he goes out and he still gets more people. And he says, hey, would you work in my vineyard? I'll pay you a day's wage. And they're like, sure. And so it gets to be 6 p.m. Some people worked 12 hours. Some people worked one hour. And he starts paying the people who have worked one hour, right? And he pays them a full day's wage. And so the guys who are working 12 hours, they're like, man, we're going to get 12 times that amount. Except the master just pays them what he agreed to pay them. And they're grumbling and complaining. And here's what the owner says to these guys. He says, don't I have the right to do what I want with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I'm generous? And the literal translation in the last part is this. Is your eye evil because I'm good? See, if we look back at what Jesus is saying. Here's what we see. We had two places where we could store up treasure. Now we have two eyes. The good eye is kind of a generous outlook on life. And the bad eye is a stingy or a greedy outlook on life. So, so the question is, what's your perspective? And so am I standing up here and saying, hey, listen, you shouldn't make a lot of money? No. God's definitely gifted some of you to make a lot of money. And man, I want you to 
climb the corporate ladder and make money, but I want you to know why you're doing it and what you're building it for. See, because greed really sneaks up and it's really insidious in our life, isn't it? Let me tell you, you know when you're having an affair, you know when you're cheating on your wife or husband, but you don't always know when you're greedy, right? There's no AA group for greed. There's no accountability software on your computer that tells you, hey, Andrew, you're being greedy right now. And so for us, we need to say, we need to look at that and say, are we being greedy or are we of a generous mindset? Dan Price is the CEO of a company called, uh, I think it's called Gravity Payments. And so he started the company when he was 16 years old and man, it flourished and he did, he's just having a great business and all of a sudden he's walking out the doors of his company and he sees one of his employees and he's sitting there smoking and he's just kind of angry. And so Dan asks him, hey, what's the problem? And the, guy, and the guy basically goes off on him and says, hey, listen, you only pay me $32,000 to do this job. And he's like, well, that's what the market calls for, so that's, that's what we do. He's like, yeah, but you can't even live on $32,000 a year in this place. He's like, you don't really care about us. And so Dan, at that moment, he, he said, okay, whatever, I got to go. And he walks out, but he starts thinking about it. And he thinks about it more, and he thinks about it more. And so Dan Price shocks the entire business community when he announces that his goal in the next three years is to raise every employee's minimum salary to $70,000. And so people are freaking out because they're like, this will never work, and I don't know if it's going to work, but I know Dan Price was serious about it. Right? He, he was getting paid over a million dollars as CEO. He dropped his salary way down. He put his house up as collateral for a loan. He put some of his other properties because he realized that it was more important to care for his employees than to make a ton of money with his company. And you know what? When we're close to Jesus, when we're growing, when we're becoming spiritually healthy, our vision changes like that away from saying, man, I need to store up all this for myself. And say, man, there's something, a bigger purpose for me. You know, when we see what Jesus did, right? Jesus gave up his life and generously laid it all down for us. It changes the way that we see the world. I'm going to drop some statistics for you that, that I came across this week. That 95% of us in this room, regardless of how poor we are, or 95, are probably in the 95th percentile of the wealthiest people in the world. Maybe you know this. 60% of people in the world live on $2 a day or less. And every day, about 21,000 children die through means of poverty from starvation and malnutrition and diseases that are preventable. It's really easy as Americans to figure out, man, I'm trying to live modestly comfortable, but I want to be comfortable, and we miss all the needs around the world that God's given us the ability to meet. After researching this passage, Angela and I decided to support a child from Compassion International, and we're going to do that. And, and when you support a child, what happens is that you, you pay this amount of money, and then it provides food for that child, and also a gospel-centered education. And I don't tell you that to say, man, Angela and I are so awesome for doing that. What I really say that is because Angela and I didn't see that as a need until we really started to look and see what Jesus says to us about our lives. And so that's not prescriptive. I'm just telling you how it's affecting me in my life. 
And so here's some of the symptoms of being spiritually unhealthy that leads to the way you manage money. The first one is that you find your security in what's temporary. The second one is that you, your vision is blurry. And then the third one is this. It's you're possessed by your possessions. Is that you're possessed by your possessions. Verse 24 says this. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other. Or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. Now, if you're a church person, or you've been in church, or you grew up in church, you know this verse, right? You know you can't serve both God and money. But if you were coming to this verse with fresh eyes and a fresh perspective, you would think this is strange, actually. Right? Because you would think, well, you can't serve both God and Satan. Right? That, that seems to be the dichotomy. That's what we see all around. It's, it's God and Satan. But, but Jesus here says, nope. Guess what, guys? It's God or money. The word for money, it's an Aramaic word called mammon. If you read the King James Version of the Bible, you've heard of mammon before. And that really means wealth and property and possessions. It's always kind of in a negative light. Uh, in the Jewish culture, having more possessions meant that you were blessed by God. And so if you walk around with a coach bag, not the kind that you get at the flea market, right, but a real coach bag, if you walk around with that in Jesus' time, people are going to be like, man, you must be blessed by God. You must be very spiritual. And in today's society, we'd say, are you kidding me? Like, you don't know how much debt they're in to have that car or that house or those nice shoes. So, so Jesus is kind of destroying this perspective that having more wealth somehow makes you more spiritual or more blessed by God. That's not the case at all that Jesus is trying to make. And it's weird. In our culture, we sort of are possessed by our possessions. Like, just in general. So let me tell you how crazy it is. So we buy an item. Right? And, and then probably when we buy the item, most of the time it goes down in price after we buy it. So we're already overpaying for something. And then on top of that, when we buy it with a credit card or we take a loan out, what we're saying is I'm willing to pay more than the item was worth originally for something that's not worth even as much. There's a, a popular movie in the 90s and, and this guy goes ranting off to this group of men and this one line really sticks out to me. He says, we work jobs we hate so we can buy stuff we don't need. And our culture, we're being marketed to all the time. Statistics tell us that about, we get about 5,000 ad or branding messages every day. And all those messages are saying, you need this to be happy. You want this to be better than other people. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, there's a choice. You can either serve God or serve your possessions. And when you serve your possessions, you get possessed by them. The word for, for serve here is actually the word slave. So that might make some of us uncomfortable. But, but I think truthfully, we're either serving money, possessions, wealth, ourselves, or we're serving God. Right? We get trapped into buying things and, and we owe. And yet Jesus is saying, hey, listen, if you don't store up wealth on earth, but you do it in heaven, and you see everyone and you see needs with a generosity mindset, then, then you don't have to be owned by your stuff. See, when you get owned by your possessions, here's what happens. You have to start defending and protecting what you have. 
So you say, man, I want to keep this standard of living, and so I need to do this or I can't do this. Or man, what if my bank account dips below this certain point and you start to have anxiety and fear, and that's where there's no peace. And yet when Jesus is your master, when you say, yes, I'm going to serve God with all that I have and all that I am, it's all about him. You know, for the rest of this chapter, Jesus is going to say, hey, look at the birds of the air and the flowers of the field and look how I provide for their needs. And basically he says, I'm going to provide for you that way so you don't have to worry about and protect and feel anxiety about your possessions on earth because you can trust me to care for you and love you. You know, Probably a lot of us, including myself, need to make a transition from seeing ourselves as shareholders and rather see ourselves as stockbrokers. Right, so a shareholder has a stake in something. So you see everything you own as this is mine. And you say, I need to have it and I need more of it. But when you're a stockbroker, here's what changes. You say, everything I have, I'm actually using it for someone else's betterment. I'm using it to, to build wealth for someone else. And, and that's how we need to see ourselves as people who everything we have is God's and we use it for him and for his kingdom. Here's what Jesus said. Here's how he said you can stop being possessed by your possessions. Matthew 6, says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So listen, I don't know what seeking God's kingdom first looks like for you, but I do know this, every time you give, you're saying to your possessions, you don't own me, that God's my master. And so if these are all symptoms of spiritual sickness, the question is, what's the answer? What's the cure for all these? And I think it's really this, it's the gospel of Jesus that cures all of these things. And, and here's the gospel, Joe shared a little bit earlier, but Basically, that, that there's a separation between us and God. And God remedied it by sending his son Jesus down to earth to live a perfect life and die a death. And when he died, he took all of our sins on himself and then he raised again. And so the gospel is precious or should be precious to us if you're a follower of Jesus today. And not just because somehow it punches your ticket into heaven. You're missing it if you think that's all it is. Here's what the gospel says for us with our money. It says, man, this life isn't the only thing. There's one to come, and so we don't need to worry about storing up possessions here. But we can store up possessions there by loving and serving those around us and helping God build his kingdom and helping people know about him. The gospel says, man, Jesus was generous to us and he gave up everything and so we can be generous to the people around us. And then the last thing that the gospel says is that when Jesus died, it broke the power of sin for those who put their faith in him. And so we no longer have to be possessed by what we possess. But we can be possessed by God. And so I don't know what you think about what I've said this morning, but let me, let me paint a picture for us. Imagine if everyone at Spring Valley was transformed in their finances where we really took serious what Jesus said. Think about how that would change our church. There wouldn't be anyone in here who's struggling financially because people would be there to help meet those needs. 
There'd be churches that are planted sharing the gospel all over the country because we have to send people out. Even think about the world that people who have never heard the name of Jesus would be able to go because we're able to support them and care for them. Kids who were in foster homes or needed adopted would be brought into loving and caring homes and they'd never have to worry about whether they're going to be neglected or abused in another place again. Whole tribes in other nations and third world nations, the kids would have food and they would learn about Jesus because we'd give. And then what if not only our church got it, what if all the churches in Pottstown, in Royersford, in Limerick, in Phoenixville, in Douglasville, wherever you're from, what if all the churches and all the people got this? There wouldn't really be poor people who are hurting in our towns. More people would say, man, those people are generous. There must be something different about them. If we all got that, imagine how that could change the world. Because Jesus is saying, listen, how you manage your money has everything to do with your relationship with Christ. And when you're in relationship with Him, it changes the way you manage it. It changes the way you think about it. And I know some people in here that you're saying, Andrew, I appreciate all that, but times are tough right now. And I'd say you can hold on to the promise that Jesus said that I'll provide for you and that I'll never leave you. So how should we respond this morning? I think the question is, do we want to be transformed in our financial life? Are, like, are we willing to say, yes, I really do want to be transformed in my life? Are we saying, I'm not ready yet? That's an issue of surrender. And so I have a couple of questions for us this morning. The first question for us is, where are you storing up your treasures? So how do you figure that out? You look at your bank statement. You look at your credit card statement. You look at your, you look at your books, your budget. Say, where are you storing up your treasures? Man, are we spending more money on entertaining ourselves than we are having the good news of Jesus spread around the world? The second question we probably need to ask is, how do you need to change the way you see people in situations? I mean, are there times when you hear about a tough situation, you say, oh man, I hope things get better, but I, I just can't help them right now. And listen, maybe that's true. Maybe you can't help them right now, but maybe your response should be, man, I don't know if I can help them right now, but I'm going to pray and ask God what he wants me to do. And then here's the third way we're on to spawn. How do you need to put God's kingdom first? Jesus told us that, that our job is to seek his kingdom and his righteousness first and all these other things will be given to us. Are you putting him first? If you have your orange card, would you take that out? And there's a place on the back that said my, my response to today's sermon is I'd love to just give us a minute and uh, I want you to pray and, and um, just ask God, what, what would he have you to do? Maybe you already know. Maybe it's just, I'm going to evaluate my budget. 
Maybe it's I'm going to give to something or I'm going to up my giving. I don't know what it is for you, but let's take a minute and uh, just pray and ask, what, what would God want me to do right now? write that down in the back of your card and uh, when we leave this morning you can drop it back into buckets with our ushers but I want to ask another question the question is this are you growing to become like Jesus because it really will affect every part of our lives maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus or you said, I don't really know about all this God stuff, but I know something's missing. If that's you today, it's not an accident that you're here. That is all in God's plan that you're here this morning. So if I have every head bowed and eye closed, I just want to let you know the gospel that I talked about is not just for church people. It's not just for religious people but it's for people who are messed up like me. And it's for people who are messed up like you. And this morning, if you say, Andrew, I want to give God my life. I want that thing that's missing. You want to follow Jesus. Would you just raise your hand and let me know that this morning? Would you say, yes, that's what I want to do this morning? said that today all you can do is a simple prayer to get started with your relationship with God and go something like this sorry thank you please you can pray this sorry that I've messed up God sorry that I have missed the mark thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die for my sins would you please come into my life help me follow you you can look up at me today. If you did make that decision, you can let us know. Say, I'm committing my life to Christ or recommitting my life to Christ. Before we go this morning, I'm going to dismiss you and uh, I'll pray. And then you feel free to go. If you want to stay and reflect, you can. And we'll make this place just a place where, uh, where people can reflect. So if you like to talk, you can do so outside the curtains. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you that your word brings truth to our lives. Pray as we leave this place that we would, uh, that we would sense that you're working in us, that we would look, work alongside of you. Be close to us today, Jesus, in your name. Amen.